from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, June 21st, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios, our, our fill-in engineer, Clark Flippo. Hey, hey. Chandler's off um, selling a house right now, actually. <laughs> he's, really? not in, he's not in real estate. He, he, he's moving out of his condo, and they're closing right now, right? At the exact hour that we're having to record. Our, so. our little boy's all grown up, isn't Over he? Over there on uh, the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Joining us from Gatorland, Florida, Eddie Big Cat Koffeltz. Yes. Hey, you're not usually you. on the Friday shows. And sitting up for the whole show today, our friend, uh, entrepreneur, uh, mogul, Liz <laughs> Bohannon. Hi, everybody. Does that, is that, is exactly that what a mogul is supposed to sound like? Yeah, that's exactly how you wanted us to say it, right, Liz? Entrepreneur, mogul. Entrepreneur, comma, mogul. mogul. Period. Yeah. <laughs> Period. Never Comma, look at me directly ruthless in the business mogul. I appreciate if you don't even explain what I'm a mogul in. Okay, why don't you explain? The empire is too big to be described. It's too many things. <laughs> so you're in Portland and you lead. Tell us. I lead a socially conscious fashion brand called Seiko Designs. Yep. Uh, many of you listeners have heard her on the show here over the previous few months. She's been joining us and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, those of you who haven't been listening, you may remember her from Shark Tank. Shark Tank. Oh, this was on Shark throwback. Tank. Throwback. We're bringing yeah. that in. How do you feel about that? I feel great about it. It makes. I <laughs> did. You, can I tell you that I've never actually seen the episode? No. So the Why? more I talk Why? about it, and the further out it gets. I read this article once about memory and how, like, the more often you recall a memory, actually, the more inaccurate it is. <laughs> because every time you recall a memory. Your environment, like your emotions from the, the from the present moment that you're recalling it, why you're recalling it, who's with it all like influences it. So I've never actually seen the episode and it's been like, I don't know, probably four years. So every time I recall it, I'm like very intrigued by like I'm just c- continuing to kind of make up the story of how it went. And it's like evolving in my brain. You're so like, yeah, so there I was, it. Brian Williams, NBC News anchor and also <laughs> <Right>. accurate storyteller <laughs> is sitting across from me at Shark Tank. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, but you've never been tempted to watch it. You've never been like, oh, I wonder how that I wonder how that came together in editing. Literally. Well, so we had a launch party. So I did see it kind of there was like 100 people around and, you know, it was like very I wasn't like focused on it. So I like have a general idea of how it went. But no, I've literally never been tempted. I'm I'm just like way too hard on myself. And I knew I know if I watched it it would just be like 15 minutes of self-loathing and i'm like i don't need that in my life so no <laughs> on. Yeah. Well, liz liz let me give you this little bit brianne and i saw it live we were watching the show and i will tell and i remember your pitch and i will tell you not good it was um <laughs> really shameful but it's okay you're gonna figure so it out we just we've been working on our hundredth issue of relevant right and one of yeah. the one of the people that joined us to kind of talk about social entrepreneurism and things that have changed over the last, you know, hundred issues, uh, was, uh, Blake McCoskey who founded Tom's. Right. And so I was, I don't know why I was doing this, but I Googled him. I mean, I know his story has been a friend of the magazine for a while, but I Googled him and read his bio for the first time. And Blake before Tom's had a number of businesses, you know, come and go. And before that, 
He was a contestant on The Amazing Race. Yeah, like yeah. him and his sister. I, think, I didn't right? know that. So that's common <sighs> knowledge. I'm just like, I yeah. mean, yeah, when I interviewed him f- for the podcast years ago, like when Tom's was sort of just blown up and everything, like we talked all about it and I don't think it made it to the final show because like, you know, boring, but it was really crazy to hear. Like, I mean, Amazing Race is one of the coolest shows ever to be on. Guys, real talk, real yeah, talk. I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready. Yeah. Eddie, you are proficient in a viewer of reality TV. Liz, yeah. you have you are a star of reality TV. Right. Cameron, you are a watcher of the human condition and bravo. <laughs> Here's my question for you guys. <laughs> How us. would I fare? I've been <laughs> I've been saving up some vacation time. How do you guys think I would fare on Survivor? Because I'm thinking about doing an audition tape, getting a British accent, so I disguise my persona and going for that million dollars. What do you guys think? Just disguise it from who? Jesse. Jesse. You know Jesse, you know that in real life we have actual connections to the people who run that show. I know, yeah. but I don't want to take serious? the cheat route. That's why I, I don't want to take the cheat route. That's why I'm going to be British. Why? And two, British people, I don't know if you guys I know this. British pe- what if we pitch it that the relevant cast goes on? Uh, no, 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 no. Just Jesse. I want to see him in the wild with strangers. Uh, you know, like... Hey, he, listen. I, I think he'll turn into a different person. If we're on with him, he he won't feel free to go full like sabotage mode. You know, like he'll. <laughs> he, I think he'll be too friendly to us. I think we're giving him too much credit. I think if he's in there, I with think the, the Lord of the Flies <laughs> is going to come out real quick, and Mister Jesse, regardless of who who's on the island with L- him. L- listen, here's here's what I've learned watching reality TV. The guy with the British accent always lasts a long time. He's always the most intriguing character of the bunch. Mm-hmm. You know, people will keep him on because. They're just curious about him. I won't reveal to the final. What's that thing that they do where they unlight one of the candles? Uh, uh, they have a name for that meeting. Oh, the rose ceremony. The rose ceremony. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. To the final rose ceremony, I'll be like, I just want to thank everyone for having me on, suckers. And then I it's take me, my million Jesse dollar check, Carey. and then I, I I take off my you know Union Jack tank top that I've been wearing to reveal a gigantic American flag tattoo on my chest. But and Jesse, I take my million dollars back home. Totally, honestly, truly, you would be great on that show. Like just you, even just as you, you would be so, I mean, you're so smart. You're, you have basic, pretty decent physical prowess. You're a friendly guy to be around. You would do great. Like, have you actually considered that? Really good eyebrows. And I only just now noticed that. (laughs) I don't, they're lovely. I don't Mm. watch Survivor. I mean, I probably haven't seen it since like the first year. But my, my question is, I thought the whole thing about Survivor, isn't it like, you need to like bond with people so you have alliances so you keep you keep going and then at the end That's basically right. all the alliances <laughs> fall apart because you it's the last everyone. man standing but yeah. but Jesse's friendliness i think would get him to the final third of the show don't you I mean, and like, then, he, then my everybody cold, loves him. Then my cold-hearted side, my cold-hearted villain side will come out. Right. I point. think there's two options. I think, Cameron, exactly what you just said. Or I think week one, show one, in the first time in Survivor history, the entire cast has formed an alliance against <laughs> Jesse, and they kick him off. And every single one of them... I didn't want them, to be around you guys anyway. Every yeah. single one of them in their, like, stand-up interview, you know, that they're doing secretly, talking about why, they're just like... This dude never stops talking. Like he just talks <laughs> constantly. And they're just like, we can't take him on the island. We can't get him to shut up. And we know he's faking that British accent. Get him out <laughs> okay, of here. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I might not be able to, but I have a friend that was on Survivor. Okay. And I believe her when she told me that she got set up 
and got kicked off in like the first round or first episode. Wait, or so set up by her cast or like or by the, the no, producers? No, she thinks it was higher powers. The producers? Oh, God. Yeah, like God. with a candy bar in her bag or like something. I didn't watch the season, but... Oh. Wait, wait, wait. Your friend, your friend was on the show and you didn't bother to watch? Okay. Well, I show my love in other ways, Cameron. It was like <laughs> wow. my mom's friend, to be fair. Oh, okay. So she was older. Yes, she was in her like 50s or something. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I might get. I, I'm tempted to watch this because my friend Liz's mom's friend was on the show. You just, <laughs> you couldn't even be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, your description of this event intrigued me enough. There's yeah. a lot of things that are, you know, well, I mean, I, your attention over here in mogul land. I think we're learning, though, <laughs> that the, step one to becoming a mogul, a Christian socially conscious mogul, is step one. Go find some casting agents and get on a reality TV show in LA. Mm-hmm, right? But for mm-hmm. real, think about like Chip and Joanna. They are the moguls of all moguls. Yeah. Started with a reality show. Blake Mikowski, reality show. Someone name a third because saying things in threes makes him seem you. so legit. You. Liz you. Fork and Bohannon. <laughs> no, because mine was like, I, was, I the did company. the thing first. Yeah. Ben and then Higgins. I went and got rejected ben on Higgins. national television. Ben, ben Higgins. Yeah. Ben Higgins uh, from The Bachelor now doing socially good coffee company and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I There there have been quite a few, I think, Bachelor spinoffs as well. It's it's for sure. Uh, it is a strategy. Yeah. I yeah. wouldn't put well, all my eggs in that basket. Well, all of mine are already there. Um, <laughs> they, I've gone in 100% on this thing. And if it doesn't work out, I will be devastated. And I will, you know, I don't know what I will do because this is plan A, B, and C is the survivor thing at this point. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see. So but, three years ago, your plan was still to become a professional athlete, but now <laughs> it's just shifted to yeah, getting on reality that's, TV. That's right. I've had, you know, I've had some priority shifts. And the thing is, like, as, as many opportunities that did open to me at that point, you yeah. know, I just, I, you know, did too much time away from the family. Just knock all the time away in one stint, one season of Survivor and then yeah. come back home. You know, the, the lifestyle of a professional athlete, like I said, as many doors that were open to me, I just decided, you know, I don't want to put the family through that. So I'd like to you guys know that even people. if you get kicked off the island, you have to be away for the whole time. They like put you up in a resort afterwards because if you come home, everybody will know the outcome <laughs> of the season. So you could if you, I, if I was just in a desperate need for a sabbatical but was real <laughs> broke i would just go on survivor right get kicked off in week one and then just go drink some mai tais right hold yeah. on well, liz, that makes me that makes me realize something liz when you were on shark tank you couldn't talk about the result of shark tank so did no. those hundred people not know how like if you if you got the pitch accepted or not correct yeah we couldn't tell anybody and we were i was like i did my job i was tight-lipped Reality show producers out there, you can trust me with your secrets, yeah. <laughs> even though yeah. I already disproved myself. But yeah, no, yeah. we couldn't tell anybody. So that was like, that was a really, really, I, I think we told like our team and our employees and like people that were in the business that needed to know. And there yeah. was a large gap. We filmed it in September and it aired in February and we couldn't talk mm. about it at all That's in between that. nuts. Mm. Yeah, so that it was kind of crazy, and it's like That's a big true. thing to kind of like want to you know process and talk about, and yeah. So yeah. it was a good exercise in zipped lips. Yeah, coming up on the show today, we have a great, great uh, show in store. Coming up later, Karen Swallow Pryor joins us. She's an acclaimed writer, and she has a new book out called "Cultural Engagement: 
a crash course in contemporary issues. We thought, who better to be on the episode with Karen Swallow Pryor talking about contemporary issues and cultural engagement than Liz Forkin Bohannon, who <laughs> has to Google what is happening in culture before she comes on the show. So, yeah. Liz, last time, and this is well, it's been it's been long enough that I came back that a stupid, small, hopeful, naive part of me thought maybe that was going to be forgotten. <laughs> Liz, can I ask you a question? In all fairness, I don't know. Did you Google the term in quotes "pop culture" today before the show started? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to plead the fifth on that. She went down to her local CVS, got a copy of Entertainment Weekly and read it front to back and is totally ready for all of the show. <laughs> totally ready. I, I am you, ready. Who right. is me now? Speaking of what's happening in culture, coming up next, we'll have the hot list. Stay tuned. Listening to Floor. The song is Dancing Around. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Courtship with Guy Stuff. Well, today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Creating a site with Squarespace is a simple, intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with the click of a mouse. You can even design a best-in-class online store with Squarespace's award-winning templates, customizable settings, and more, all without a single plugin. Uh, including all the tools you need to track inventory, process orders, and send custom emails in one intuitive interface, Squarespace Commerce allows you to understand every aspect of your business. And right now, Squarespace is offering relevant podcast listeners a special deal. Go to squarespace.com relevant for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your site, use the offer code Relevant to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. I do appreciate the guy on Twitter last night who tweeted me, what's your Squarespace promo code again? So I told him relevant. And uh, there you go. Relevant. It's easy to remember, everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah save 10% just, uh, off Squarespace. You could, it's also easy to guess, but yeah. you can also you can also, d- you can also tweet to the founder and CEO of the company and host of the show. And yeah. he'll, yeah, he'll, he'll tell to you. Do. I'll, he'll, I'll help you out. Let me send you the link there, buddy. Listen, right. I use I use offer code relevant as a fail safe for everything. For everything, even, oh, yeah. even if I I know intimately all of the ads that we we have sold. But even when I'm at the gas station and they and they say, okay, you've entered your your credit card now, do zip code. I always press in relevant one time just to <laughs> just make to sure see. to see. Dude, I was have, at I was yeah. at Warby Parker uh, looking at glasses. Punched in relevant just to see. Yep, it was still Nuh-uh. active. Oh yeah, yeah, it was still active. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I last year we were looking to buy a tuft and needle mattress in Casper and stuff, and sure enough, the relevant promo code worked for one of them. So somewhere, oh, some dusty IBM computer in the corner of the Warby Parker office, like a little red light just went off on top of it, and they're like, "Wow, we have not seen that in years." <laughs> Promo every code time, promo code every time I fly, I go and I ask, like, are you sure there's not a free upgrade to first class? And then I just look right at the person and go, relevant? And they just stare <laughs> at me and say, no, sir, please take a seat. We're please not going to ask seat. you yeah. again. But right. it's yeah. worth a shot. Dude, you know? speaking, of, speaking of travel, yesterday I flew up to Minneapolis for a, a, a lunch meeting. I had a meeting at lunch. Flew up in the morning. Wow, lunch. that sounds like something a mogul would say. No, 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 no listen. <laughs> flew, up in the, flew, up in the, flew up in the morning, a three-hour sleep, super early flight, got there in time for lunch, had the meeting, and then went back to the airport, right? Uh, got there at three for four o'clock flight. Oh, there's tornadoes in Orlando. The, the plane 
was grounded in Orlando because you know it flies between Orlando and Minneapolis and back. It just flies out that route on Delta, mm-hmm. and and so the <laughs> the plane was stuck in Orlando because of weather, and I didn't I didn't lay my head on my bed last night till four thirty in the morning. Like I was stuck in the Minneapolis airport until after midnight and it was supposed to be like a four o'clock flight. I was like eight hour delay because of tornadoes in Orlando. And Minneapolis airport is a hotbed of activity. A lot to do there. It's it's one of my favorite airports in the United States. It's fantastic. Is it really? The food in the Minneapolis airport is on point. Three three years in a row. Number one airport in America. They have billboards. No way. I think Portland has won it in the last three years. Portland's my Uh, number one favorite airport in uh, the United States of America. According to the self-promotional billboards all over the Minneapolis airport. Which are obviously to be trusted and completely unbiased. Voted the number one airport in America. against the Here's what I love about the Portland airport. And I've only, I've only flown out of there. I think a couple, I can only remember like maybe twice flying out of the Portland airport, but I, I love, you know, Portland, when you think about Portland, Liz, you can tell me if this is accurate. I, you know, you think of it's kind of granola sort of hipstery, the carpet in the Portland airport looks like they took a conversion van that some hippies (laughs) like in the early eighties made into their house. And like the fabric on those seats is now the carpet for the Portland airport. It's a very, it's a very wild carpet. It's beloved. It has become like very yeah, Yeah. beloved and iconic. They have like sweatshirts in that print. You could buy like actual squares of the carpet. It has a Twitter account. I have a pair of socks with the pattern of that carpet on them. So my like niece who lives in Portland gave them to me. But the Portland airport does have a really good restaurants though, like very very good good restaurants. And here's the thing: the restaurants have to charge the same price in the airport as they charge off-site in their normal locations. No. That's like get, the like, Amazing local Portland-based beloved restaurant food for their like street prices, which, by the way, are really good because Portland has by far the number... We are the number one city in America for your dollar food and beverage. Huh. Wow. In, in, the whole, in the whole country. <clears throat> and you can get that at the freaking airport. I thought Minneapolis was just to be fair. I think you may be thinking of Minneapolis. There are a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say the one downside you do get a lot for your money, but most most everything is made with like weird artisan honey, and you're not sure a lot of these farmer table stuff. Was this, or yeah, is, this, health is this clean? Is this honey supposed to be chunky? Yeah. Yeah. There's like bee parts in this. Yeah. Honey. There's debris like in feathers it. Yeah. or whatever wings. Yeah. Like, hmm. There's a lot of specs I'm pretty, in this honey. I'm pretty sure my hamburger has a bee wing in it for some reason. Is anybody confirm this? Yes, but you know that that bee was treated with dignity. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. true. Like, so it's weird. You can rest assured that it voluntarily gave you that wing for that small bit of protein <laughs> out of its own free will, and up until that point, it had a beautiful life. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, a lot of people don't know this, but when some you go to all. buy it. When you go to buy a house in Portland, it's weird if they don't have a working beehive in the backyard and most of the master bathroom closets come with a couple beekeeping suits. It's just part of the thing up there. You know, I haven't, the deal. I haven't been to Portland's airport in about nine months, but my recollection is like when you land in like, say, Austin, the Austin airport, step out of the plane, it smells like barbecue. My recollection of the Portland airport is you step out of the plane and it smells like coffee. Is that accurate? Yes, coffee yeah. and yeah. BO because aluminum is really bad for you. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> no one wears deodorant. On no there. one's wearing deodorant. They just rub honey in their armpits and it's it's not 
It's very sticky. Okay, honey, uh, mixed with coconut oil, which does have <laughs> antibacterial components, to oh, be hold fair. Hold on a second. Liz, you don't wear deodorant, do you? Um, I wear... <laughs> <laughs> See, I love making fun of Portlanders, and then I am. I am. I am. I am one. Um, I do. I wear aluminum-free deodorant. It's true. And here's like the thing. It. I'm not even going to say that it works as well. It oh, doesn't. No. I admit it. I absolutely admit it. But I might live a little bit longer than you guys. Yeah, that's true. But to what cost? All right. It is time for... All right, coming in number five this week on the hot list. If you want to follow along, Liz, you can just Google pop culture news real quick. Uh, you can read along with me. Uh, coming in number five, Joel McHale this week uh, wore a Preachers and Sneakers hoodie to the yeah. Fortnite Celebrity Pro-Am. There's a lot of trendy terms in that sentence. <laughs> I know. I am here with you. I know Preachers and Sneakers. Good. There you go. Okay. Good for you. I know two of the three pop culture terms <laughs> mentioned in that headline. Thank you. I don't know who Joel McHale three, is. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> what is a Fortnite? Yeah, this weekend. <laughs> no Epic, idea. Epic Games held its Fortnite Celebrity Pro-Am and the comedian uh, was one of the celebrity competitors on hand. Uh, well, for the event, Joel McHale had a very interesting wardrobe selection, a Preachers and Sneakers hoodie. Um, so uh, there was a caption to the video from the Preachers and Sneakers Instagram feed, and but it seems the hoodie may have been intended for another person, <laughs> yeah. another celebrity at that tournament. So the, the caption said, when Joel McHale tells you he can get a hoodie on Marshawn Lynch, then proceeds to keep it for himself. So, Mikhail apparently isn't the only uh, celebrity to rock a hoodie from the viral Instagram account that displays images of pastors rocking very expensive footwear. Uh, you may remember last week, uh, Roots drummer Questlove wore a similar yes. hoodie to the premiere of the movie Shaft. Um, in a recent interview with Relevant, Joel McHale opened up about his faith and the role it plays in his life. He said, for me, faith has been a sanctuary but not somewhere I hide. It's not a place I go Sunday morning before I go out Sunday night to deal cocaine. It's not like these things are compartmentalized. Once you start believing, it's nearly impossible to extract yourself from faith. It should be in every part of your life. I don't know what I would have done without it, and I shouldn't take it for granted. I need it. I need him, capital H, all the time. That means okay. God. Yeah, he was talking <laughs> about God. Capital H, he wasn't talking about like his driver. I need is him he all talk, the time. Is, is he talking about Marshawn Lynch there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I need him all the time. <laughs> yeah, it, it, the, the irony of Preachers and Sneakers becoming like a, a very in-demand brand itself when their their whole yeah. goal was to sort of make uh, the poke irony. fun at the whole construct of brands that, you know, base their value in scarcity is kind of ironic. You What's going to be great is when the preachers and sneakers people figure out the margins for a sweatshirt and are like, yeah, actually I am going to sell that for $200. That's a really <laughs> good idea and people will buy it. Liz, you work in the fashion industry. As I'm mogul. curious about your opinion of the preachers and sneakers uh, whole, whole deal. Okay, well, maybe I was confused by it. The way that you guys are talking about it, I kind <laughs> of thought do you that think the it whole is? point was like pointing out the kind of hypocrisy in in the church around like having pastors who are theoretically like their salaries are paid for out of congregants' pockets that are wearing $1,200 sneakers. Am I wrong in that? I thought it like started out as a kind of like, 
Yeah. You know, like way back in the day when Joel Olstein wore those like $3,000 snakeskin boots on the cover of some magazine. I thought yeah. it was like the hip yeah. relevant Instagram version of pointing out all those things. Yeah, yes. I, I think it is. But I think it's also I, I think it, I think it's multi-layered because I feel like there's some like built in commentary about, you know, a society that has you know, because a lot like a lot of this is is basic. A lot, some of it's luxury, like some of it's like, you know, Gucci and, you know, Louis Vuitton and stuff. But some of it's just like exclusive streetwear stuff. So I feel like it's kind of, you know, making commentary about multiple elements of it. But it, I think it doesn't change kind of the irony of it itself becoming a brand, an apparel brand in a way, you know. Mm, I actually didn't know that they were their own apparel brand at this point. It's like a brand new thing. Yeah. And it really okay. is just it really is just like basic clothing items with their logo on it. So they're basically just trying to, I think, cash in on some of the popularity, which I totally get. I just yeah. feel like I don't know what I'm saying if I wear a T-shirt that has their logo on it. I'm not quite sure what my statement is. Yeah, I but I kind of feel the same about the whole account, the ambiguity, which I think is kind of brilliant. Like they don't make commentary. They like post facts selectively yeah. curated about who's wearing what and how much it costs. And so I feel like it kind of lets you because I think like, oh, you're kind of throwing shade. And like if I were a pastor and I was like seen up on stage wearing a pair of thirteen hundred dollar boots while I'm like preaching about, you know, it's the it's uh, the eye of the camel. Like, oh, that, that's interesting. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's probably a brand that's like <laughs> largely working with child slaves in China. So I like see that and I'm like, Ooh, that's rough. But I feel like a lot of those guys probably see it and they're like, Oh, I'm so fly. Look, I'm getting, I'm getting yeah. room air, you know? So I'm kind of confused about it. How do people yeah. that are featured on it feel? Is that like a cachet or is it like, Ooh, no, no, no. I mean, they're being publicly shamed. I mean, they're not, it's not like the badge of honor. I mean, you know, it's yeah. mob mentality, online public shaming. I mean, and so that, I mean, it, 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 I mean, the, some of the ones that I've talked to, it's really bothered them and affected them. Um, what have they done in response to that? Is it like, I'm bummed because I got called out. Now I'm not going to wear no, a couple. Like, of I'm just curious as to why, because that's what I actually think is kind of brilliant about it is that it doesn't draw the conclusion for you, well, right? It doesn't say like, we're shaming this person or this person should be humiliated. It's literally like on this day, in this place, in this context, it's like, here's the fact, here's the fact, here's the fact. There you go. Which I think is kind of really interesting. So it leaves like some level of ambiguity to like, well, if if that feels shameful to you that someone's just like stating a fact without drawing the conclusion, maybe there's something to be said for that. Like, well, we, uh, But there's a lot of assumptions in what you're just saying, because like the one some of the guys like I don't know, I don't know everybody on the feed and, and a lot of them went to the mall and paid 13 bucks for those those boots. But a lot of the ones that are like the the rare sneakers, like the question is fundamentally, what is the issue? Is it that we don't like the style or we don't like that they paid that money out of their pockets on an income that was derived from speaking and ministering, you know, and so or pastoring. And so like the, a lot of the guys are going, I... I dress like this because this is a style I enjoy. And I have a friend at Nike who gives me this for free. And so I didn't pay that. I wouldn't pay that. And 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 so they're put out there in the public going, I mm. look, he wore this and this is what other people have paid for those shoes. Let's shame him. But he's going, I didn't pay a dime. 
And so he's like, why, why can't I wear cool shoes that were free? You know, but, but mm. there's a, a lack of self-awareness in that perspective in the going, you know, it's like, but if it's causing other people to make assumptions about you and how you spend resources and stuff like that, you know, maybe we need to step back and look at that and have a little bit more self-awareness. I mean, so again, there's like the natural from some of the guys I've talked to, there's like this innate defensiveness going, you don't know me. I didn't do that. You know, like, and then the mob, you don't know me. And the mob mentality is like, I can't believe he would use church money to pay that. And it's like, nobody's dealing with (laughs) actual facts and nuance. It's all massive assumptions Mm. on the, on both sides. And it's like, that's where it's unhealthy. I'm going the yeah. commentary, the statement, Hey, we need to check our hearts. We need to talk about this, you know, in the eighties and nineties preachers on TV were $5,000 suits. And now they're wearing thousand dollar sneakers. You know, it's the same thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so it's like, you know, we need to talk about that as a generation, but at some point this method and that platform is getting toxic. You know, yeah. I mean, if you read the comments, it is horrible. Well, and not only that, like the, the other element too, and, and Liz, this is something you're probably really knowledgeable about firsthand is like, they, I feel like modern evangelicalism has to a degree conflated frugality with some, with like that being ethical where it's like louder for the people in the back, Jesse, it's it's like, it's like a a type, a certain type of holiness is frugality for sure. Mm -hmm. And that's the opposite side of the spectrum that it's like, oh, girl, that's cute. And someone's like, oh, my gosh, thanks so much. I got it for two dollars and ninety nine cents on super sale. At, you know this. And it's like this idea that just by getting amassing stuff for cheap, you're like a good Christian because you're like frugal. Yeah. The opposite side of that is obviously engaging in luxury. I would say there's a really healthy middle ground that actually has much less to do with the price that you paid for something and more like your thought and intention behind right. how you're using your power as a consumer to support the beliefs in the world that you want to live in. Right. Exactly. Because if you're a person of a certain means, you could, there could be a case to be made that, you know, a $800 pair of Gucci boots that were made by Italian craftsmen who were compensated very well for making those shoes is more ethical than a $20 pair of Walmart shoes that was probably made in a factory with, you know, potentially shady conditions and shady environmental regulations. It's there is a lot of nuance there that it's difficult to say, like, oh, who's right, and who's wrong. It's just ironic that the brand that kind of brought some of this to the forefront of the conversation is itself becoming, you know, kind of this ironic, notable name and fashion itself. Well, the, the, yeah. the I saw that the guys are the guy doing it is he's doing like limited runs, like three days of like hoodies or whatever. And all the money is going to causes. It's not, he's not from what I, what I understand, he's not profiting from any of this, you know? So yeah. Anyway, Cameron, I think you do bring up a really good, I mean, I will say, I think when you are in the public sphere, specifically in the faith space and you are a leader it is kind of on you. You There is a different level of like, do I just because something is free and you think it's cool? Is it in the best interest of you and the people that you're leading to take that? I think I think it's fair to say there's a level of intention that probably needs to go into your decision making. I'm not saying what that decision should right. be, but I think it's fair of us to ask for higher standards. However, the public shame method of creating conversations like that, I I do think is incredibly has the potential to be 
so toxic and so dehumanizing and it's like creating something in us as humans. Like, it's like, you know, you watch these like old school, you know, films about like in the 1500s and people are getting their heads cut off and like literally people see it as like entertainment and there's kind of this idea that you can go watch someone, you know, be beheaded. And then you can also watch somebody be publicly shamed. And it turns into this like entertainment. I'm all for examining what is happening in the human heart when we are entertained by people getting publicly shamed and humiliated. And I, I think it's really toxic. But at the same time, the, the, those who are in front and, and they, they, some of them dismiss it all together that it's like, oh, that's just a bunch of haters or those are, but mm-hmm. you know, and, and they aren't listening. They don't have ears to hear and hearts, you know, they're not listening. And, and so like, to me, there's this like battle, unhealthy battle lines are being drawn, like mm-hmm. us versus them and, and stuff. And I'm kind of going as a leader, if you're called to be out in front, like, and this isn't about shoes. This is about all the choices in your life that you make, like how you spend your, the, the, the example that you're setting. Like, am I spending my resources in a way that I would say, follow me as I follow Christ to the people who follow me? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I might have means, but like, or, you know, is it going to, is my lifestyle choices, uh, the, the life that I show, is it going to cause people to know the Lord or is it going to push them away? And you have to have that filter if you're in leadership. I mean, yeah. you shouldn't probably put, you know, it may be okay for you to drink in moderation. That may be your conviction, but the people in your congregation come from a wide spectrum of feelings about drinking. So it's probably not wise for you to put on Instagram, you hanging out at the bar with a couple of guys, even if you were totally fine. You know what I mean? It's just, it's going to cause a lot of people to stumble and it's not going to point people to Jesus. And so you're kind of going, you know, you got to just have that self-awareness of going, yeah. is is the way I'm modeling my life like helping the gospel? And and, and so I don't, and uh, yeah, again, there's a million nuances in why you make the decisions you make and is it a good use of resources, time, energy? Are you living in a way that Jesus called us to live? And everybody has different opinions and stuff. And so just because somebody's conviction level is different than mine, I can't, you know, it's hard to not snap judge them. And it's it's both and. I mean, the people in leadership need to be more aware and conscious and the people who are in the congregation looking at them need to be more aware. They're human too. And we need to like, well, what am I, what's going on in my life? that <laughs> wouldn't fall in line. You know what I mean? Like everybody's mm-hmm. at fault here, you know, and, and preachers and sneakers. I think the guy, the kid who started it, you know, just wanted to kind of like, he, he was like, this is odd. Should we talk about this? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now it's like turned into this incredibly toxic thing. That's dividing a generation. And I'm kind of going, uh, ultimately it's not healthy. You know, like this is not a healthy platform for this. Yeah, but I don't think that's the preachers and sneakers. I think he just opened up the fissure that was waiting. Like, right, right, right. it was right. going to happen. Yeah. It was going to happen somehow. And and granted, there is responsibility for actions. But p- part of this, too, is it's not should we be, you know, in, engaging in this or should they be more wise? It's what do we expect of these people? Like what, to what standards should we be holding a pastor to be our moral compass and authority? Because like, I don't really care if Carl Lenz is wearing fancy shoes. Cause I'm not, I'm not trying to like look at him and say like, okay, this is who I got to be. If I get this right, if I can figure out my life, if I can be the, like the 
Christian that I hope to be, then then I'll be Carl Lenz. Like I'm not looking at any of those pastors like that. These are human beings that have an ability to read scripture and teach in a way that's entertaining. That wow. is that is like Ooh, okay. So that's interesting. And that might be where I feel like that's the definition of what has led to the modern like celebrity pastor phenomenon that I actually think is really unhealthy in general. Like you're, you're a Christian and you're like charismatic and you can talk about the Bible. I think it's a lot of people who desperately wanted to be performers in some capacity. And then they found that it's like, okay, well I can't, I, for whatever reason, I don't want to, or can't cut it in these areas, but Christianity has this like pathway for me where I can be famous via like being a pastor. And I don't think that that's the model that the, scriptures set up for biblical pastoring and leadership. And I think it's one of the things that's like most broken about the American church. But, but it's, but it's tough because like the, the more people that you can reach with the gospel, like the more people that can potentially be impacted and, you know, kind of the logical conclusion of that is to try to, you know, create a platform that more people are going to engage with. I mean, Reinhardt Bonk, Reinhard Bonnke would have a, a you know, a, a crusade in, in Nairobi that would have a million people there and 700,000 people get commit their lives to Christ and get plugged into local churches. They had follow-up programs, stuff like that. But like Reinhard Bonnke needed to be entertaining and have the resources to be able to pull that off. And like, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't think anybody aspires to be a celebrity preacher. I think it's just, Oh, you do. Oh, Cameron. Yes, I mean, I think, but I I think because like the guys who aren't because I the guys who are known nationally, I don't think are aspiring to I don't think fame factors in. I think they they want to have impact. It feels it feels like the tier under that. Yeah, 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 yeah. the reachers, the reachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you that there are reachers and they're but those usually vet you know those kind of weed themselves out usually right i mean yeah i don't i don't know and i don't know the the people and i don't know their hearts but i will say that the preachers and sneakers thing got me like as i unpeeled the layers over time it wasn't that they were doing that it was that i was disappointed and they were doing that because i wanted them to be something that they just they don't need to be for me they do not need to be my moral compass and authority they are people who are really good at preaching and people who are really good at organizing a church. And I, if I, I felt like part of the preachers and sneakers thing put me in right, um, like helped me remember like the right position of all of this, because really like I should be looking, my hope is to be looking to Jesus for that kind of, uh, leadership. And if they're going to wear really expensive sneakers, it's like, well, that's the, that's a choice, but I'm not, they haven't somehow failed me just because they spend, what would be too much money for me? D- does that make sense? Like, yeah. I, I think it's almost more of a reflection on the people that are freaking out about it than yeah, that, it is on the actual human being. That's what I'm saying. Cause like the guys, again, not that all of them, I don't know all of them, but some of them are like, like this is not, they did not pay that money. So like, I don't care. Like it doesn't affect me at all. Like it's gaudy and silly looking. Some of them, some of them are really dope, but you know, like it, it, they didn't pay that money. So it doesn't bother me. So like, why is everybody up in arms? Like what, like what is broken that we're all freaking out? But even out? if they did pay that money and even if I do think it's a bad decision and even if I do think it's a total waste of money, right? well then, okay. I wasn't, right. I, I don't need to, I don't need that person to be my compass. 
I don't, I need them to like, it's just, okay, well that's a reflection of them. And, but I don't, I don't, I'm not, I think I'm expecting too much from those people is what I'm getting at. If you read like the comments, so many people are like, I can't believe they spend tithe money that way. And I'm going, I know a lot of them that, they just get normal pastor salaries, but they are, they have side businesses or they go out and speak at conferences and they have other, in, or they have book deals, you know, and sign a million dollar book deal and stuff. They didn't get that money from the church. You know, they have TV yes, shows. Is, and, and that is the problem with the public shaming conversation is there isn't, I still think it's a valid conversation sure. about what is your intention? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. How are you leading your community? You need, you have a responsibility to be making decisions. It's like, I, I think about that and I have nowhere near the like platform or visibility as a lot of these guys. And still, I feel like just depending on who you're leading and what your community is as a mature leader, I think it's a wise practice to say like, here's the thing that I want to do. Here's all the other factors that I'm going to take into consideration to make this decision. There's something to be said for safety and numbers and this growing societal movement. So it's like, I don't want to throw that out. You know, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I, I think that there is so much that is so much healthier when we have the conversation in the context of relationships. And so it's kind of like then in the public sphere, because to your point, Cameron, of people being like, I can't believe they're using tithing money on that. There's like no nuance in that. And there's right, yeah. and a lot of truth does get lost when we open it up into the public sphere. And that isn't fair. And I will say this too, Reinhardt Bonnke had the dopest <laughs> off-white Air Maxes I've ever yeah. seen at that crusade. So and, I, uh, actually, I'm wondering if if this if uh, the the trend is shifting a little bit because I have I ha- I don't see every post they did, but I have one came across my feed a few days ago, and it was a picture kind of behind stage of yeah. three speakers at the VU conference, you know, on on bar stools, you know, it's yeah. kind of like a shot of you know beh- from behind them on the mm-hmm. stage. And they were all three wearing white sneakers. And of course, they put one to, you know, they, they, they showed the uh, resale value of those sneakers. And one of them was wearing like, the resale value was like $80 white, uh, you know, Air Force Ones. And then one of them was like, you know, 140 or something like that. And then one of them was like some, one of the crazy ones, like 800 or something. But like, I'm going two out of three guys on stage who maybe in past months would have been wearing the uh, high dollar sneakers, (laughs) probably because they knew the eyeballs were on them, uh, chose moderately priced normal Nikes. You know what I mean? Which to Jesse's point, aren't any ethically, like at the end of the day, Gucci and Nike, well, Nike's more vertically integrated than some other well-known factories. Anyway, a lot of them are being produced in the same place and in the same way. So it's like, you kind of go back to this question of what's a bummer to me is that instead of saying like, Ooh, how can I be using my purchasing power in a way that I want people in my community to reflect? It's just like going to the cheap so that you're safe. So it's like, it's a bummer to me, not just, I mean, I'm obviously biased because I'm in and I run an ethical fashion brand, but it's like, man, you could be using your platform, not just to not get in trouble, but you could be like encouraging people to be buying stuff that actually deals deeply aligns with your belief in the dignity of all humans. And instead you're just like going to buy the $80 shoe because you want to be safe. It's like seeing, I mean, Megan Markle has done an incredible, she's really utilized her platform and has been super intentional with like almost everything that she's seen wearing publicly is ethically or sustainably produced. And that to me is like such a beautiful example of like, 
I'm going to thoughtfully and intentionally take my platform and my resources and do something with them that I feel good about other people being like, oh, if I want to be like her, this is the path that I can take. And that just seems a lot more thoughtful and intentional than like, I'll just buy the cheap thing so I don't get slandered publicly. I, I yeah. did. Yeah. I did notice uh, just this morning on uh, Preacher Stinkers, one, one preacher uh, probably is buying into the, what you're talking about. He, it was a, a farm to table, a sneaker. It had uh, B wing chunks in the soles. That's what I, was say, but, um, I, I avoid. <laughs> I avoid this entirely because I've been making my own shoes for mm-hmm. weeks now, mm-hmm. and you've been doing the same Claiborne, where he makes his own pants. Yeah, and no I, I will say this: I have been using bees for my <laughs> shoes, and my feet are horrifically injured right now. <laughs> but I'm making a point to the world, Jesse. Your point, your mistake. You didn't take the stingers off, so every step you're. Introducing yourself. All right, number four on the hot list. That's what we're doing right now. Um, Wow, you guys, we're just to number four. Yeah. Uh, For King and Country this week, collaborated uh, with Echo Smith uh, for their new remix of their big song, God Only Knows. And then it was remixed by Timbaland. Timbaland is back. Uh, The duo uh, has previously won two Grammys in the contemporary Christian category. And they actually were in our studio, uh, what, six months ago five months ago yeah uh, performing and they performed the song god only knows uh well the remix uh features legendary hip-hop producer timbaland if you want to google him real quick uh liz it's timbaland with an a (laughs) he did like missy elliott uh he's uh, justin timberlake kanye west if you want to google them i can send you a list no i'm already on it i appreciate that and i just want to say luckily for our listeners i'm only gonna be able to participate in one of the five hot list items which means that we won't have to spend 20 minutes on all five. Yeah, so this is right. actually my <laughs> ignorance is a massive gift to this community because I have nothing to add to that. Well, <laughs> Some of these were just too hot for you to handle. Yeah. So these, we continue these, on. Uh, you yeah. probably know Echo Smith a couple years ago for their huge hit. Uh, cool. Uh, was it cool kids? Cool kids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Echo Smith singer, Sydney Seriota said in a statement, when the idea was brought up to me, I immediately said, I'll sing on that tomorrow. I love that song so much. Um, God only knows is such a special song. And I think we all constantly need the reminder that there's a God who knows and loves us. We aren't doing this alone. There's so much love and meaning in the lyrics. And I'm honored that I get to be a part of it. Here is a clip of the Timbaland and Echo Smith remix of God only knows. God only knows. That line, God only knows what yeah. you've been through. It really resonates with me because no one can relate to what it's like having both feet horrifically stung by bees on every inch of them. So God only, only, God, only God only knows, man. Don't, don't I know it. You think they Kings name the song God only knows country. and then sing it? Or do you think they sing it and then they're like, well, we got to call it this. But either way, this is an on brand song. <laughs> It's a good question. It's a <laughs> is, it, is it? Is it really? Is that what we're going with? <laughs> he called it God Only Knows, and then he just said it over and over again. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you know, it actually works. Yeah, God Only Knows. What's be, the next? Yeah, yeah you know what? Say it again. Yeah. Well, let's say it again. Uh, coming in number three on the hot list, Jim Gaffigan is in a new indie thriller about a snake handling church. The now stand- we're talking. The stand-up comedian is one of the stars <laughs> in the upcoming thriller, Them That Follow. Here's the official synopsis. Deep in Appalachia. 
Pastor Limuel Childs, presides over an isolated community of serpent handlers, an obscure sect of Pentecostals who willingly take up venomous snakes to prove themselves before God. As his devoted daughter, Mara, prepares for her wedding day under the watchful eye of Hope Slaughter, uh, a dangerous secret is unearthed, and she's forced to confront the deadly tradition of her father's church. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Gafkin's a devout Catholic, and uh, Faith frequently plays a role in his comedy, but he's not known for his dramatic work. We posted this on Relevance website uh, a couple days ago. Yeah. What was our headline, Jesse? Okay. I, I That's what I want to ask you guys about. You guys are going to be... This is going to be objective here, because the headline that we crafted for this, and we used a picture of Jim Gaffigan handling a snake, like a right. screenshot from the trailer. Right. The headline was, Jim Gaffigan is in this creepy thriller about a snake handling Pentecostal church. Yeah. I don't feel like we were throwing shade there. I no, was just no, no. saying, what is the most interesting part of this? Yeah. Jim Gaffigan. Creepy thriller. Yeah, Jim Gaffigan. And, and uh, I, I, again, I was going through Instagram and I followed Jim Gaffigan and all of a sudden there's a screenshot of our story and Jim posted it. Did you see that, Jesse? Yeah. And on Twitter, he said, I just love the headline of this article. Jim Gaffigan is in a creepy thriller about a snake handling Pentecostal church. I wasn't shaming. I this, no. this is your thing. I was stating fact in a funny, interesting way. Right. I didn't say anything negative about Jim Gaffigan no. or the movie. No, no, no. I kind of want to see it. It looks he interesting. Also, isn't that like, I don't think anybody is in a movie about a snake handling church in Appalachia that doesn't think that's a little creepy. A little I don't creepy. feel like Jim Gaffigan's motivation is like, I just need to paint this community in a new non-creepy light. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't feel I don't like that's his deep actor's right. motivation and the well that he's drawing from. Right. Yeah. Uh, I the, could be wrong. The, the creepy film releases in August. So be on the lookout for it. <laughs> and thanks for following Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in number two this week on the hot list. Uh, Gary Busey is back in the news. He's going to play God. He's going to play God in an off Broadway musical. Gary Busey as God. Oh my what goodness. could go wrong? Um, he's reportedly signed on to star in <laughs> Only Human, a play about Jesus and Lucifer and what happens, quote, when an extreme case of creative differences gets the best of them and all hell breaks loose. Dot, oh, dot, dot. Hold I understand on. that dot, joke. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> literally. It said Hi-oh. literally. Uh, in a statement, Gary Busey said, God is everything love is, and that Perfect. love becomes the beginning of blessings and miracles. Yes. Playing this role of God is easy because I'm not acting. I'm just believing. <laughs> you come see it, and you'll believe it too. Uh, the show opens in New York's uh, Theater at St. Clemens in October. So, so. so what are the odds that almost every night the show just evolves into Gary Busey shouting at random members of the audience? Like, I like <laughs> Gary Busey. I remember when he had a weird reality show. I've liked him on, in all the weird movies he's done where he's oh, yeah. kind of playing up this, you know, kind of manic side. I don't know he's someone that I'd want to see in a live stage production. Like, I know part of the appeal of seeing, like, plays and musicals is sort of the anything can happen type of thing. Jesse, I don't know if I want to be, like, in the same room Jesse, as Gary Busey. That, that shocks me. You are the fan. You are a fan of I've got to watch this because uh, there we are we are on the fine razor's edge of, of, of chaos. Like, you like watching Nick Walenda walk a 
tightrope. Why do we want no, to watch them? No, it's boring. No, okay. You're watching because of the potential of catastrophe. That's why it's sick. And I'm surprised that you don't want to see Gary Busey on a live stage play because of the potential for catastrophe. No, here's the thing, Cameron. When we saw Gary, when we Gary, when we saw Nick Willenda walk across that building in yeah. Chicago, yeah. that was the turning point for me. Yeah. Because like I like seeing things turn catastrophic and very, very awkward. But when physical danger becomes an element, I get too anxious. Like, yeah. like I, I love stuff that's weird. But with Gary Busey, there's no telling what the man might do. You know, like we're talking about uh, live bee attacks. It, it wouldn't shock me at all if he some if bees were involved and Gary Busey was involved. When when it comes to like physical risk, that's where I have to draw the line these days. It's just it, it makes days. me too nervous. You know, I'm 100 percent into it. I was uh, my sister yeah. lives in Montana and she took us to a rodeo. And by the way, I am not like an easy crier. I don't like I'm not like super emotional. I don't cry at commercials. I don't get gooey about pets. And we were at this, you know, rodeo and the guy fell off the bull as happens. And he was supposedly hurt. And y'all, I burst into tears and took my son and left because I spiraled so fast. I was like. His mom is watching this and this is the worst moment of her life. And we paid to be here to watch this. And then I started thinking about what is the economic reality for this 17 year old kid from rural Montana? Like, is this what he wants for his life? Would he have taken other opportunities if he would have had them? How is our education serving Mr. Joe Bullrider? And like, are we actually just capitalizing on his lack of opportunity? And now there's a bunch of like rich white people wearing cowboy hats in a stadium that are paying to see this kid almost get hurt. And then I cried and I left. So I'm a really fun person to take to things that are supposed to be lighthearted and entertaining is what I'm trying to say. I heard about that event, uh, Liz, and you know, the most heartbreaking part when that boy is writhing around on the ground, he was somehow attacked by bees. They don't know where they came from, but there was a bee attack along with the entry. It, it was heartbreaking all the way around. But, Liz just know. had her own full Gary Busey moment. It yeah, was just, yeah, it was just was wheels were off the wagon and we were just <laughs> deep into whatever was happening. Nobody could say a word. We just had to watch and wait. Yeah, that was fun. All right. Coming in number one this week on the hot list. Oh boy. Oh boy. Number one. <laughs> Biggest news of the week. DC talk is officially reuniting for a, quote, land cruise, otherwise known as a tour. <laughs> the iconic Christian music trio DC Talk just wrapped their second Jesus Freak cruise. Well, the band stopped touring and performing together nearly 20 years ago, and each member has pursued new projects. Yes. Um, but this week, this week, Michael Tate, who is also in the Newsboys, stopped by a radio station for a special announcement. He said, I've got news for you. We just finished a DC Talk cruise yesterday. Pete... Uh, Furler of the Newsboys and I, Toby Mac performed DC Talk, K Max, Newsboys. But next thing. year, next year, DC Talk will be doing a land cruise. We'll be doing tour dates in the states, not announced yet, but it'll be very few. But we'll do them each year 2021 and probably 22. DC I, Talk, okay. it, uh, DC I Talk is now Liz, the Rolling You don't Stones. know who any of these people are, right? No, but I'm thrilled about this being on the hotspot only because my number one takeaway from the entire <laughs> podcast right now is that, you know, you guys know I have a book that's launching this fall and we're debating right. whether or not we want to do a tour. And I'm like kind yeah. of on the side of no. But now all of a sudden I'm like, but we could call it a land cruise. That's right. my yeah. favorite In which part case, about We this. have to it's do the it. Best. Because that's like, you know, the 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 dad that comes home from work, you know, right before the family vacation that like has just lost his job. And he tells the whole family, he's like, we're going on a cruise. 
a land cruise. And then like you got driving. Greyhound bus tickets, didn't you? Yeah. Greyhound yeah, bus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Land cruise. Yeah. Um, I realized that so kind of the whole DC talk world has been waiting to hear my reaction because some would say, <laughs> and I agree that I am probably responsible for the resurgence of DC talk. Who, who was talking about DC talk before the relevant podcast beat happened four years ago, five years ago, zero people, literally no one. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to tell you this, and I don't want to draw too fine a line. Cats is coming back as a movie, a full-fledged movie with Taylor Swift in it. Cats. DC Talk is reuniting. I'm just saying, basically and humbly, you're welcome, everyone. <laughs> Am I not the most powerful? <laughs> um, yes, I'm excited. Yes, of course I will be at one of the shows. Yes, of course I will try to get in for free because of all this. And I, I mean, the world has been waiting for this. Uh, and I love that they call it a land cruise because for two years, the only way to see them has been on sea. And that is absolutely preposterous. And so I will believe it when I see it, but I am ready and you're welcome, America. I don't even know if they're self-aware enough to know that, you know, a land cruise isn't a thing. Like, I, th- <laughs> I hope they land. I hope they really lean into this land cruise thing. I hope the tour bus is shaped like a boat. I hope that every concert is like boat. Th- it's basically it's basically like really going to like a Jimmy Buffett concert. And like, yeah. It's like a Jimmy Buffett tour. They, they only drive around in land cruisers. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's it. They never get the joke, but um, <laughs> yeah, they're just wearing Hawaiian shirts up there every night. Yeah, I, I just I can't, I can't I when I heard about this, I immediately started to picture the crowd like who what demographic <laughs> it's exactly who you think. And we we cannot wait to be there. Thirty five to fifty, and we are yeah. not above it. Thirty five to fifty. This is not. the first yeah. concert they've been to in about nine years. Yeah, my kids. Yeah, I'll bring my oh, kids with me. Oh, they're bringing the kids. The kids will be half the crowd will be like, "What is this?" Yeah, when they start singing, <laughs> "I wish we'd all been ready." I want them. I want my children to experience me weeping openly and but, really like, viciously. And um, these people, I don't actually know well enough, but I'm imagining some like jeans that have rhinestone oh, yeah. bedazzled crosses on the back. <laughs> Michael, Am Michael. I on the right page there? Yeah, a, lot That's the thing with a lot of the DC gear. talk. You want your hip hop, you're, you're going to have your hip hop style with, no. you know, you're going to have your more like classic rock, a little bit out there with Kevin Max no, and, no, no, and no, you're no. going to have your rhinestones. No. With no, 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 no. The entire crowd is wearing something bedazzled. This crowd hasn't been to a show since affliction was the, the, the trend in the aughts. And so mm-hmm. like this crowd is like going to dust off the rhinestone jeans because it's their rock and roll concert shirt, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. well, mom's yeah. night out. Yeah, yeah that, that's the thing. I feel, jeans. I feel like Sneakers and Preachers needs to do a post from outside one of the Land Cruise dates and like Ed Hardy shirt, $200 in parentheses in 1999. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, I feel like on eBay currently. There. Recently for, sold at Goodwill for a dollar fifty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, it's going to be very exciting. And um, yeah, it's it's magical. I hope they do it around Christmas time so we can hear some of their Christmas to- songs, too. So, but, you know, and, thanks and for your prayers, weird, everyone. Like, like all these 50 year olds in the crowd singing, I don't want it. I don't want your sex for now. I mean, like, it's just <laughs> this, the youth group songs don't work when it's a it's bunch fun. of middle-aged people. But it was a little for inappropriate it, at this age. Seems is a little that an actual real song? Yes. I don't want your sex for now. Yeah. For now. Yes, it's a real song it's, for yeah. now. 
It has not but aged well. It has not aged well. That's a wholesome well. message. It's a great message for the teen, the middle schoolers and teenagers that they were, you know, playing to then. I'm just saying the tour now. Also for the moms and the bedazzled jeans who haven't been out in six years, you know, it's like just <laughs> because I have my bedazzled jeans on, don't make assumptions. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're not. I may be, we're not going to do anything for now. I mean, this, this is, is a just going to be too tired. Cruise, all right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a big, it's been a big night, honey. Yeah. Yeah. They're it's married now. A really. It's a, a really big night. It's a totally also, different Also, you haven't vacuumed in like six weeks, so <laughs> let's not be confused about yeah. what's going to happen I tonight. I had a wine spritzer at the TGI Fridays before we showed up. I don't <laughs> yeah. want anything for now. Let's just head <laughs> home. Grab. They almost didn't let me in because <laughs> yeah. of my breath, but, you know, I made Oh, my gosh. Is it 1030 already? We got to. We've got to get home. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That'll for do now. it for. It's the hottest. The hottest. Stay tuned. Up next, Karen Swallow Pryor joins us. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode of The Relevant Podcast. Hey, while you're in your little podcast app, why don't you look up the other podcasts we do. Every weekday, we're bringing you the uh, what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture with our podcast, Relevant Daily. It's about 10 minutes. Keeps you in the know. Keeps your finger on the pulse. Go check it out. Also, while you're online, visit the Relevant Store. We have a podcast fan section at the Relevant Store. Uh, we update it almost every week with mugs, shirts, hats, and all the swag and gear you would want from your favorite podcast. Go check it out, store.relevantmagazine.com. You're listening to Lucy Daydream. The song is busy. Well, Dr. Karen Swallow Pryor's writings about faith and culture have appeared in publications including The Atlantic, Fox, The Washington Post. She's also a noted hashtag church two and pro-life advocate. A lengthy recent profile in The New Yorker said the Liberty English professor and author, quote, stands at the vanguard of a new movement of Christians looking to reclaim their faith from the regressive, racist, and misogynistic policies that have co-opted it. When her new book, Cultural Engagement, a crash course in contemporary issues, Karen and her co-author Joshua Chatra discuss how to develop a biblical uh, viewpoint on modern issues like immigration, creation care, war, capital punishment, and more. We recently spoke with Karen about the book and how to engage today's most pressing social issues. Here is our very own Tyler Huckabee's conversation with Dr. Karen Swallow Pryor. I was wondering if you could give a sort of a brief summary, the elevator pitch, I guess, on cultural engagement, what it's about. Well, the book is really a collection of essays by various contributors from various fields and and disciplines on 10 different issues that are really pressing in the culture and the church today. And it arose out of my co-editor, Josh Shatros, and my experience in teaching students, um, college-age students, and in our different fields. He is a 
a school of divinity professor. I teach English, but we talk about a lot of cultural issues. I teach a writing as cultural engagement class. And our students are, even within the church, are facing a number of perspectives about different issues and aren't really that well equipped to navigate those issues through a biblical lens and to even begin to understand, you know, how to sort through the different perspectives from uh, professing Christians. And so this book is kind of a start to help them navigate those issues. It seems like, uh, and looking over some of the issues that you that you get into here in the book, things like gender roles, uh, immigration, creation care, these are things that a lot of, and this is a, a critique that you hear a lot of times from sort of the the irreligious uh, uh, punditry is that Bible doesn't address these issues at all. So why do Christians in the public sphere have such have such strong opinions about them because they can't back up any of these opinions with a direct Bible verse? It sounds like that's something that you try to navigate in this book a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, anyone who is familiar with Christian worldview thinking, which is you know pretty old school now within within Christianity knows that what we are doing with that is taking principles that are implicit, if not explicit, in the Bible and applying them to various issues, which isn't a black and white enterprise. Um, the Bible has something to say about all aspects of life, um, but not necessarily in the terms that issues shape into in our contemporary culture. And so even though we cover, you know, a range of issues in this book, we certainly couldn't cover all of them. So we it's also our hope that just working through these kinds of issues in the ways that we assist through our editorial material, our discussion questions, that actually that that is just a practice and a skill that can be developed and applied to whatever issues might bubble up in the next 10 or 20 years, because we know that the issues will always change, but the way that we read the biblical texts and attempt to apply them to the issues um, hopefully stays the same. Uh, I'd be very interested to hear because this has also become a similarly very divisive topic among Christians in 2019, of course, it's the issue of politics. Um, where by by your read and as, as the way you address in the in this book or this book takes it on, where do you feel like Christians have sort of gotten the idea of politics wrong in the U.S. in this era? Well, if if we're defining this era as sort of the past couple of decades, maybe um, you know late twentieth to early twenty first century, that's my own frame of reference, um, and I'll, I can really draw heavily on my own experience um, as someone who came of age in kind of during the rise of the religious right and the political activism that took place then, and and it's that crucible that actually formed me as a, an adult Christian and and, um, and and crystallized my faith. So, I mean, I, I really became an adult and became a committed Christian through um, political activism and my, my intertwining of, of my faith and politics. Um, and so that's part of who I am, yet I have come to see now um, a few decades later the limitations of that. And so um, I think most of us as Christians, no matter where we are in the political spectrum or who we voted for in the last presidential election or who we plan to vote for, I, I think we're all 
or most of us, the vast majority are questioning what exactly is the proper relationship between you know, the church in America and political America. Um, and you know, I, I'm not in favor of complete, you know, political pulling away and dis, disinvolvement. And um, like some of the, some other Christian sects, maybe they are separatist. Um, yet at the same time, I have learned, I think, from um, too tight a marriage between church and state, and uh, we're all wrestling with that. And I'm I'm particularly proud of this section uh, of the book because I think we give a really good um, range of views all the way from, you know, Robbie George's very conservative approach to politics to Michael Ware's um, explanation and apologetic for being a Christian and a Democrat. So um, I hope that readers will find this section as um, comprehensive and, and engaging as we do. In looking at sort of the broad uh, overview of, of the book, um, what do you hope people who read it, what are, what are you hoping that they're left with? Or These are all like a lot of individual topics. There's some overlap between them, but they're all also kind of a bullet points of just major issues that are on our minds and are, that are in the news right now. What do you hope the total effect is on somebody who walks away from this book? I think what most of us are exposed to every day is this opinion and that opinion and this uh, Christian tribe and that Christian tribe. And it's, we have to sort through it and we, ha- we often pick our views based on the tribe, but we don't look at the various perspectives together and in comparison with one another through a biblical framework. And so this book, even as limited as it is and, and as comprehensive as we try to make it, I think presents readers with a way of viewing all of these issues together and measuring them against the biblical text, because there are so many, such a variety of views. There's no way to just to to pick one uh, um, without doing that. And perhaps by weaving these things together, it can help us when we leave a book like this and go back out into the internet or into our communities um, to have a, a more comprehensive way of viewing those disparate variety of views we see out there. Like we're just, we're just inundated with this view and that view all the time with without any framework or context. And this book helps to provide a context so that hopefully we'll we'll do more searching for and creating of that context on our own. That was Dr. Karen Swallow Pryor. Make sure to check out her new book, Cultural Engagement. It's available for pre-order now. Stay tuned up next. It's Ask the Cast. Today's episode is brought to you by Not Forsaken, Finding Freedom as Sons and Daughters of a Perfect Father by bestselling author and pastor Louis Giglio. In Not Forsaken, Louis points us to a God who is not absent or ambivalent, but is available and affectionate, ready to shower us with his approval and love. When we take hold of this truth, we are not defined by our pasts, but by the love of a perfect father. Christine Kane said, Not Forsaken is both timely and timeless. It will help heal the wounds and fill the deepest longings of a generation. Pick up a copy of Not Forsaken at your local bookstore or at notforsakenbook.com. You're listening to Hope Tala. 
The song is Love Stained. Okay, it is time for our... Every couple weeks, we go on Twitter and, and ask you guys... We give you the opportunity to ask us anything you want to. Uh, I think you guys tweeted us at Relevant Podcast some questions for the cast, and here are a few. I will lob them um, to them. Some of these are good. Some of these are good, and some of these are are not. Um, yeah, I was reading through some of them today as people were sending them in, and it was like I don't think I want to be on, I, but it's okay. It's better than Tyler. I'm going to see how many of these questions I can logically make my answer. Eating live bees. So yeah. let's find no problem. Up. Let's do it. Uh, Beth asks. She says, "I'm a teacher, and the school year is about to end. I'll have about a week before I start my summer job. What should I do to have a maximum summer vacation experience in minimal time? I guess this week vacation that she's." talking about is pretty applicable to most people with jobs. So I guess we can not only answer just for Beth, but for anybody who has a week uh, summer vacation, uh, what is something she could do to have maximum summer vacation experience? Uh, land cruise. 100%. Eating <laughs> live bees. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would agree with all that. I would also say <laughs> pop on those bedazzled be- jeans, Liz. Go and see if there's like a, you know, a Beatles cover band down the road or some sort of uh, journey cover band and just live it up. You do you and don't everybody don't let anybody say you can't have that second spritzer. This is your week. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would encourage you to water that down significantly just for ethical yeah. reasons. Yeah, you've been uh, at, yeah. <laughs> the the other thing I would say too, a week is, you know, maybe you don't have time for a cruise, but like you said Liz, a land cruise is certainly in the option. Just grab a Greyhound bus ticket, you know, cruise to nowhere, just a, you know, flying down that American highway. What could go wrong? I just went on an old fashioned so my husband and I just celebrated our 10 year anniversary and we spent the first year of our marriage living out of our car. So we thought it'd be fun to celebrate 10 years revisiting that. So we went on like just a legit old fashioned road trip and man, road trips are so fun. Yeah. They're the best like blazing music. We had like a list of a hundred questions that we were asking each other. We like road tripped (laughs) up to Canada. We took a ferry over, which was really fun. We actually got in a, we spent probably in full transparency, the first 12 hours fighting as one does nice. as you settle oh, into yeah. vacation yeah, Any mode. change, and any like, change in mood, temperature, the whole thing, you got to re- yes. reacclimate. Yeah. So we're like on a ferry going over to Canada. Our like car is on a huge boat with like hundreds of other cars. And my husband's sitting in the driver's seat, which doesn't even matter because we're like on a ferry. And I'm like okay. screamed at him like, we're just going to turn this effing thing and go <laughs> back home. Don't freak out. I don't Liz, I did it, notice it, that, you, that vacuum comment was very quick. He hasn't vacuumed in a week. Like that came out of nowhere. Now <laughs> I think I realized. Yeah. <laughs> in full transparency, my husband vacuums a lot, which, you know, bodes well for him. And I have to put. Put on my sparkly jeans because I got to do my part, you know. Oh my gosh! Vacuums, oh I'm dazzled. Oh my gosh! For now, uh, <laughs> not but just not for now. Just later. Okay. Uh, Taylor asks, "What's the weirdest food you've ever tried and liked?" Jesse. <laughs> oh I, well, this is interesting. I really got to think about it. There's nothing that cut leading live bees. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs> question answered. Next you. question. <laughs> uh, Re- Reggie asks, "Is cereal considered a soup?" We've answered that one. But Reggie, <laughs> Reggie also asked, "Are hot dogs a sandwich?" <sighs> I mean, I've, no, I've heard I mean, this debate, and I mean, yeah. I think. I, I've I've yeah. thought about this from every angle you can possibly it, not in spirit, but you know yeah. by yeah. effect. Yeah. Yes, they are sandwiches. Liz, what is your take on the hot dog dilemma? I disagree. Uh, having the main component be tubular 
disqualifies it as a sandwich. One hundred percent. It sits in its own category. What Bratwurst, about a club sandwich with salami rolls? No no tubular majority components that comprise over ninety percent hmm. of said meal to qualify as a sandwich. Hmm. Hmm. What about fair. sliced tubular things? Like like you would take <laughs> like like Jesse said, salami slices. Yeah. Or I mean that that's a tube. A lot meat. of yes. lunch meat starts in tube yes. form, Liz. Yeah, yep. I a hundred percent agree with that. Yes, <laughs> yeah, well, definition. It can be sliced, but not really... in existing tubular form. <laughs> oh, okay. At the time not, of consumption, we're okay. really splitting hairs, or should I say, cutting hot dogs here, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. nailed it. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Laura asks, if you could do one thing without any negative consequences, what would it be? Eat live bees. 100%. <laughs> I would eat I would eat pizza every day for the rest of my life. Yeah, I would I would yeah, literally just be allowed to eat whatever I want. And yeah. that would be my answer. That would be amazing. Oh. Yeah. Um except the Gucci sneakers. But there are consequences to our actions, so we need okay. to be more intentional. And I do want them. to throw in one thing. Yeah. Murder. Yes. Murder. Murder. <laughs> murder. <laughs> yeah. Be murder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a movie that I watched. It's like a stupid, scary horror film. But the whole like premise of it was like there's one night where nothing is illegal and yeah. you can do anything without repercussions. What was that movie? I think Jim Gaffigan's out, right? Yeah, it's about <laughs> these creepy Pentecostals. It's a it really great movie. got me. It really did get me noodling because I feel like your perspective on what happens that night shows a lot about what you believe about humanity and like the human condition of what yeah. people would do if they didn't have consequences. Yeah, it's, it's the purge, I believe. Oh, oh good call. Yep, good it was one, the purge. Everybody, it was bad. <laughs> Everybody just wanted to murder each other. But what if we, what if that happened and we, we really saw that like underneath it all, we all just act like, I would give away my entire fortune because I could do that and there wouldn't be a consequence for me. I mean, okay. I'm, I'm not going to lie, Liz. That sounds like a super boring movie. So yeah. I like 100%. the murder one. The murder one sounds very exciting. Yeah. If they're not murdering, this is getting boring. I mean, what are we yeah. like? Fair enough. Fair enough. Just trying to yeah wrestle alligators or something like who cares? You got to murder people. Matthew asks, this is interesting. I've been, okay, plagued, I've been plagued with making a 13 hour road trip playlist for my very reserved family's vacation to Florida. What should be the first song on my playlist to really get this vacation started on the right track? The caveat, a very reserved family. Well, this is, I think okay. he needs to send a message loud and clear to that family that yeah. I don't want your sex for now. Like that is yeah. the most obvious choice. To start <laughs> That's number this. one. Then it's got to be a pretty, everybody likes Huey Lewis in the news. And that's just fact. There's nobody know. on earth. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And now when he says really reserved, I'm thinking they don't like secular music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but everybody likes Huey Lewis. That's what's interesting. <laughs> It oh. cuts through all lines. He's the number one artist ever. My so my, my, I, my parents yeah. don't listen to secular music, and they they would go to a James Taylor concert today. He's pretty what? chill. Yeah. How did? What's their justification? I think it's, I love James Taylor. N- by the way, nostal- I think I think nostalgia. Sweet Baby James, my son, every night. I think the they like playing uh, crash the, music. I think the non secular music th- band came in the eighties, <laughs> and so I think any of the m- music up to that point, got Motown, grandfathered in, got grandfathered in. Like, yeah, we we love James Taylor because uh, there's some sketchy stuff, and I know because I sing it to my two year old son. Like, there's a line in Sweet Baby James that says, "Dreaming about women and glasses of beer." That, by the <gasps> way, now my two year old sings in public, so you can judge my parenting. <laughs> yeah, but that's fine. cute. He yeah. actually got paid Sounds a dollar cool. in the store the other day because he just started belting it out, and someone handed him money. Yeah. Do you have a good voice? 
Do I? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not going to pay any bills with it. We're going to say I that. See. I see. We're just. <laughs> I'm just curious what it's like having him hear these songs, and then someday he's going to hear James Taylor and be like, "What on earth? How is I? How is that? Him? that? <laughs> How are these two things the same song? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. All right. Well, there's a lot more questions. We'll try to get to them uh, in another podcast. Thanks for sending yeah. them in. Uh, that is your Ask the Cast segment. Hey, many thanks to Karen Swallow Pryor for joining us. Her book, Cultural Engagement, is available for pre-order now. Go check it out. Uh, also, thanks to Squarespace for making the episode possible. You can go to squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your website, use the offer code, wait for it, relevant to save 10% <laughs> off your first purchase of a website or domain. Well, on that note, we will wrap things up. Hey, thanks for uh, hanging out with us today, Liz. It's always so much fun having you. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. Thanks, you, Liz. Uh, you, you added a lot to the Preachers and Sneakers conversation. I'm, I'm still yeah. thinking about some of the things you said. I appreciate yeah. it. And really, the, the Gary Busey uh, piece, you uh, just kind of, kind of modeled the whole thing. So well done. I did. I did. I did Google who he was and no! out pretty quick, so. you had to google gary Busey. <laughs> that is you guys, up. i can promise you one thing i will continue to impress and surprise you with my lack of pop culture knowledge and i will never be on a relevant podcast without my smartphone in my hand in order to google it's these things incredible. a lot of people don't realize this but when you type gary Busey into google a message comes up and he goes are you sure Sure. And you, really, have really? to, you actually have to do. <laughs> do you like know a what you're about? Yeah. Service you know what you're getting into yeah. here. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Clark Flippo. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Eddie Koffeltz for now. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I'm Liz Fork and Bohannon. All right. We will see you next week. Have a great weekend, everyone. Every single night. Thank you for listening to the Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. I just want to thank everyone for having me on, suckers. Relevant Podcast Network.